So next up we have uh, Candy Bergen's. I'm not her friend. Um, <laughs> in hell a look back at saturday night live with your hosts matt d and keith brought to you by lion's den audio theater like and subscribe to lion's den audio theater for more lion's den goodness and here are your hosts keith d and matt Episode 8 of NBC Saturday Night, later known as Saturday Night Live, starring Candace Bergen, originally aired on December 20th, 1975. Season's greetings, D and Matt. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. I'm spreading Christmas cheer. Just for some context, folks, we are at the end of May. We are probably going to upload this in June, but somebody out there just might listen to this Christmas episode of Saturday Night Live actually on Christmas. Oh, I've got my sweater on and a mug of hot chocolate, and I'm nestled around the fire, ready <laughs> to go live, pre-recorded. Don't ask way. me to um, re-listen to this anytime soon, because I'm just going to listen to it at Christmas. That's a good idea, actually. That's really good. Yeah, I think it will be fun for me, just like so much time that has passed, I think it'll be cool to listen to at Christmas. For sure. Tonight, it is Candace Bergen, Martha Reeves, The Stylistics, and Maggie Kuhn. I'm excited that Candace is back, so mm-hmm. get your hot chocolate, even if it's June, get into the vibe for this episode, because you need to get the Christmas feeling going on in your body for this one. We already have a returning host. Like We're, we're in single-digit episodes, and already SNL playing with my nostalgia for this Christmas episode, getting me ready for some more Candy Bergen going through it this way i am not disappointed that candace bergen is back yeah everyone liked her so much and i was in that group of enjoying her so i have no complaints so cold open it's christmas eve at the white house chevy chase as gerald ford or as i wrote here chevy ford he does a bit with uh, garrett morris as the butler prior to that he's playing uh, the one easter carol easter parade but singing christmas lyrics to it chevy continuously messes up and he talks over a countdown that they're giving him for his annual christmas message to the country he hangs stockings upside down stuff falls to the ground and then he falls off the ladder putting a star or an angel on top of the tree this sketch has been replayed a lot probably the one i've seen most from chevy's time as ford i thought it was funny when he goes over the christmas tree and he says he's gonna trim the tree and then he literally snips a ball off of it (laughs) (laughs) so stupid but peak humor at the same time yeah this this is snl highlight reel and when it came up in this episode fresh i i laughed again chevy kills the physical humor he continues to grow on me And I thought Garrett was good when they were doing the countdown for the TV. That was my favorite part. I was in stitches. And the the man that played the director was uh, the stage manager for the show. His name was Joe Disco. And he actually remained with the show till 1996 as the stage manager and then passed away just uh, two years ago at the age of 90. This fall is the worst I've seen. That was a Jeff Hardy ladder dive. It stressed Mm -hmm. me out a little bit. I was like, am I watching wrestling? (laughs) Next up, we have Candace Bergen's monologue. Just a short deal. She mentioned she had a great time last time she hosted, and she's really happy to be back. 
And she thanks Lauren Michaels for creating a show with uh, a lot of special people. A special show with special people, she says. It was short and sweet, uh, but yet I, I, I liked it. There, wasn't, there was nothing to it, but it was nice. Bit disappointing for me. I, I like a monologue. I like it to at least exist. This one didn't even exist. She came out looking good as hell. Yeah, but it's not a it's not a monologue. She just came out looking good, and then she was like, "Here's something else." Well, you know, it's a variety show. <laughs> I guess I, I like a monologue. Right off the bat, musical guest Martha Reeves, who was the front woman of Martha and the Vandellas. They were an early Motown powerhouse. Songs like "Dancing in the Street," "Heat Wave," "Nowhere to Run." That was all Martha and the Vandellas. And Martha sings Jackie Wilson's Higher and Higher. This was good. That dress was absolutely iconic. It was gorgeous. It was slamming. I loved it so much. I expected the first song that we were going to hear to be a really, really Christmassy song, but it wasn't. And I liked that because it kind of kept me in the, the SNL vibe at the beginning of it. But they also gave us some snow. They gave us the Christmas visuals, but they didn't drown us in like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer right off the bat. I like that. I also appreciate uh, not being drowned by Christmas uh, for the first Christmas episode that I watched in the month of May. Whenever you listen, you know, Godspeed. Happy holidays. Hope all is well. Get your nuts by the fire. This was just a hot performance to open the show she looked incredible as d already mentioned my only problem with this really is that i don't think it helps the pacing of the show to have a musical guest first i think that is a mistake that they successfully correct this song is a notoriously hard one to sing and it's jackie wilson's song and i'm a jackie wilson fan this was the best cover of that song i've ever heard she did great and uh yeah i give kudos to the dress as well um, well done how can she look so good when she's singing so many people have singing faces that are just not flattering she looks so good the whole time she is singing i'm just it's I like her. It's effortless. She's just looking for the camera while she's doing it. I guess Candace picked a better musical guest this time if we're putting (laughs) Esther Phillips on Candace. Yeah. 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 Once upon a time, I heard that Saturday Night Live hosts got to pick their musical guest. True or false? There are ones that are definitely confirmed, like uh, Candace Bergen did pick Esther Phillips. Richard Pryor did pick Gil Scott Heron. Paul Simon picked Paul Simon. You know, uh, there's truth to that, very much so. And Robert Klein said he picked Loudon Wainwright on the show. Yet, I don't know if George Carlin picked Billy Preston. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Bit hit and miss on it. Yeah, so I'd say maybe in the original context, they were like, is there anyone you would like as musical guest? Candace Bergen is a huge Motown fan, as was Murphy Brown. That was Murphy Brown's shtick, was Motown. Mm -hmm. So this makes complete sense to me. Remember These when choices. they ruined the show by giving her a baby? They uh, She sang Natural Woman into the camera at the yeah. end of Murphy Brown episode. I always remember watching that with my mom. And then uh, Selma parodied it when she got the, uh, was it Jub oh, Jub? Yeah. The, <laughs> the iguana. Yes, Jub Jub. Yeah. One thing I noticed about, well, you notice it watching a lot of old TV versus new TV. Back in the day, audiences clapped. And they didn't woo and... Woo! All that foolishness like they do today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they would say, uh, they would say, you know, here's the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and out walks the biggest star on television and people are just clapping. Nowadays. Yeah, like scream until their throats are raw, like they're at a concert. Like, <laughs> And for anyone. 
like for <laughs> anyone at all. Like one time on, I remember it was David Letterman, and, but I remember one time on Dave Letterman, there was like a five-year-old kid who did something with potato chips or something like that, something with snacks. And the audience was like squealing for the guy, like he was the Pope or something. And so when you hear woos in the olden days, it means something. And Martha Reeves got a ton of woos. Modern television audiences are the real stupid human trick. <laughs> That's right. Now we're cooking with gas. At Mel's Char Palace. Oh, yeah. Or our first commercial of the evening, Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner, but uh, mainly Dan Aykroyd. Talking about Mel's Char Palace. What can you do at Mel's Char Palace, guys? They give you the saw and you cut the meat. Over 3,000 stunned. Yeah. <laughs> yep, pick your own cow, stun it, kill it, and cut it, and cook it. Real, real, uh, real modern thinking, real farm to table, fresh, <laughs> good cooking. That uh, I watch, uh, I love competition cooking shows like MasterChef, Top Chef, Hell's Kitchen. Anything like that, I devour it like like it's problematic drugs. This uh, this really feels like fresh farm to table for me. And my gosh, I mean, talk about knowing where your food is coming from. Dan is so intense in this. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the look on Gilda's face with the chainsaw. <laughs> for my dollar, Dan Aykroyd is the funniest of the original not ready for prime time players. Seeing him do this character with such gusto it makes me not only look forward for things to come but also make me look back and appreciate stuff he's already done like when he does the detective looking in the bowls with belushi and being all disgusted during land shark you know when he when he was on the uh, the crime scene photographer he does these characters so well and yeah, there's a reason he's my favorite and shit like this is just a big part of it it's the fast talking, it's the greasy look, and the voice, he's just, he's got it all down. He's killing it. Yeah, this has the fast talking salesman, but it's a different fast talking salesman than of course. some of the other ones. This is, uh, yeah, this is hilarious. And this is another one that made a lot of highlight reels over the years. Our next one is Parents' Worst Nightmare. So Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin are an older couple sitting at home, uh, assumed in the evening, and they're waiting to hear from their son. And they get a call from their son, played by Chevy Chase who says he's been arrested for killing 26 boys. Um, we don't hear exactly how, but it has something to do with sniffing glue. Curtin, who didn't really hear the full conversation, just got the uh, Ackroyd side of it, just hopes uh, her son isn't arrested for marijuana and is quite relieved that it isn't. This was a uh, this was a performer's piece. Chevy's uh, nonplussed bit about getting arrested and uh, Aykroyd's, again, fast-talking responses. It certainly wasn't the best on the show, but I like this one. I loved it, and sometimes I feel like when white people's children do horrible mm. things, I feel like this is how their parents genuinely react. They're just like, oh, well, you know, he was still a good boy. I can see why he did that, you know. He's always a good boy. Yeah, it was funny. Got a laugh from me. I loved it. This is really Chevy Chase pulls off the detached. I would buy Chevy Chase playing a serial killer in a dramatic role me after too. seeing this sketch. Where is that? Where was Chevy Chase in the Ted Bundy biopic? Where was he in that <laughs> Beatle? I mean, they even almost have the same hair. They're both handsome. Uh, anyway, I, you know, neither here nor there. The point is uh, both acts. Aykroyd and Chase uh, at the uh, top of their game. But this this is uh, Chase's sketch for me. Loved his detached serial killer cool. <laughs> killing all those boys. <laughs> <laughs> and they were Southern. 
Too. Oh well, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> no, no, I just mean it's a different accent from <laughs> from the game. <laughs> then we go back to Candace Bergen in the studio, and uh, she says that Saturday Night Live is now looking for home movies or home videos. Don Pardo and her have a repartee. Anyone who sends in the videos lose all rights, won't get any money, and will only get them back if they send a self-addressed stamped envelope. And then Chevy Chase joins, uh, and and actually makes a sort of potentially wry joke about he and Candace going and making a home movie of their own, read between the lines. But then they wind up throwing to an example of a home movie that they made out on the skating rink outside Rockefeller Center, where it's Candace Bergen dressed as, uh, I think, Sonia Henney, or one of the skating stars of the time or before, and a bunch of the Bs, which are all cast, crew, writers, etc., uh, a lot of the footage taken from a high-angle camera is said to be lost, except at the end, they spell out the name Noel by laying down and getting an overhead shot on it. This was cute. I cried laughing over this. Uh, for me, it was her and Chevy going back and forth. Every time one of them came on the screen, they'd be like, there's you. There I am. There's me again. That killed me. To me, that's peak humor. I didn't care. Like, the visuals didn't really matter to me. I could have just listened to that, and I still probably would have cried laughing at it, and I will watch that again. The uh, My favorite part of this bit was Chevy and uh, Candy, because we are friends, when they were uh, having their banter on stage. I thought that when Chevy made that joke, and it, her reaction was almost like she didn't expect to hear it. She seemed to genuinely get a kick out of it. But maybe she's just a fucking awesome actress, which she is. But anyway, I digress. I didn't like the skating thing as much as D. I thought they really could have made that funnier. I, I don't know. I really think there was a missed opportunity to have her really not be as subtle about it and just kind of not be ignorant to the other footage, but almost like it's not relevant. But ah, there's me. I, I don't think I think there was an opportunity for further humor if she had sold it harder. But does does anyone like the bees as much as Dee does? I love the bees. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cute. Then we get a quick little ad for the Don Pardo digital catalog. This one is an ashtray and digital clock. Things were getting very digital at the time. I remember like clock ashtrays, and uh, I don't know uh, if, Matt, if you remember this one. Cigarette lighters with a little digital clock on the bottom. Late 70s, early 80s, everything was a digital clock. So I got a kick out of this one. Me too. Very kitschy. Very, uh, it was very nostalgic for me. So it... Uh... It warmed the Christmas cockles of my heart, for sure. And now we get a second Polaroid product placement. It has Belushi as Santa Claus. He says he's the Easter Bunny. And he and Bergen uh, advertise the Polaroid and show how it works as uh, Bergen wears a, a deer head or deer antlers. Um, this was, to me, a lot like the uh, the original one we saw uh, way back in episode four, where uh, Chevy and Candace Bergen promoted the, uh, the Polaroid. Like I said then, I mean, these in-show product placement ads are uh are, are well done i don't like john belushi's energy i don't like his vibe i'm not enjoying him generally when he's on you know i'm not uh, i'm listening to the the live and snl book that i've mentioned before i'm doing my own you know reading here and there i don't uh i don't think i like this guy and I don't like him here, and I don't like this bit. Yeah, you were okay with the other one, the Chevy and Candace. Yeah, one. yeah, because yeah. Chevy Chase, is, he has charm. He has, like, I want to look at him. Belushi looks like some drunk on the street that's going to call my girlfriend fat and then ask me for a smoke. 
<laughs> Maybe more on that as we go. <laughs> Do you have this uh, holiday one work for you? The high on the Easter Bunny laughed. I think my issue with Belushi is exactly what Matt said. Like, he reminds me of every sleazy, alcoholic ex-boyfriend I've ever had. As it continues to go on, I find myself more annoyed by him. But I did write down on my notes that he did not bother me in this. So that's going to be a thing for me. Did Belushi bother me in this? Yes or no? And here he didn't. The ad itself, we don't really see ads like this anymore. I Like, where would you see them anyway? Other than YouTube. But I think ads where, like, people are actually using the product and explaining it. I think that's really cool. And I wish that... Um, existed when these ads were out. I think they have more depth to them than the ads we see nowadays, which try to make me feel, and I don't want to feel. I just want to, I want to know how to use the camera. Sure. Next up, we go to the stylistics. The song they sing is called You Make Me Feel Brand New. The singer was handsome. I was feeling brand new, but the, the dude with the high voice, he was doing far too much, and then they started coming in with the synchronized hand movements. And I was like, you are all literally doing way too much. Like, let this man sing alone with the band. It was also too long. It's a miss for me. This is one of my least favorite musical performances on SNL so far. I, uh, you know, aside from the fact that it's not my kind of music, he's right. You know, I'm not a musician, but I th- I'm assuming it's the guy that was on falsetto. He, I thought he was really hamming it up. And I, I thought the whole thing was a bit hammy. If this is American Idol, then I'm, I would have voted no. This did not work for me. It's not my type of song. They were a throwback to the 50s, which is an era I really like, the old doo-wop groups. What they did was good, but it just wasn't for me. I mean, it sounds like we're kind of all on the same page, even though D was the nicest about it. Our next sketch is Latent Elves. Candace Bergen catches her, her little brother, played by Chevy Chase, dressed as an elf. Uh, a very thinly veiled take on homosexuality. Curtin and Aykroyd come in to the room as the parents, and the father drops a surprise. Stuck in its time, I get it, maybe, and, you know, I get in the 70s things were a little more backward and people were definitely not as comfortable with this. And you know what? It's not like an offensive sketch, and I get what they were trying to go with it, uh, but it doesn't work, It's and it's aged terribly. I thought it was a little bit funny. It definitely went on too long. By the time it ends, I think it kind of redeems itself because Dan and Chevy kind of vibe at the end as elves together. But obviously, I'm looking at it through a different lens of me fantasizing that this is a cute gay sketch when it's making fun of it. I wouldn't say it's making fun of it, but, uh, no, but I do think it's no, I stupid. Yeah, I didn't get the vibe that it was uh, making fun of as much as sort of trying to, in a 1970s way, promote being yourself. The root of the problem here is the root of the problem for me with a lot of these set, these early sketches. There's no jokes. It's like yeah. they, they've got an okay setup, but you didn't fucking write any jokes for it. Yeah, the, the, the whole sketch was the joke, and it fell flat. Yeah. So then we go to a Weekend Update. All the regular stuff, the Gerald Ford stuff, there's flat jokes. The highlights of this for me were the uh, the courtroom drawings of Lorraine Newman at Times Square waiting for the ball to drop at the wrong time and the wrong day. They tried to go to Angola via satellite, and they wound up talking to some guy named Angelo who was making a pizza, and they were just showing some guy throwing a pizza up in the air. And Emily Latella on firing the handicapped instead of hiring the handicapped. The money shot joke for me in this one was Chevy Chase saying, let's take a look back at 1975, and he looks back at the numbers 1975 on the uh, screen. This one was, uh, the timing 
things there, the writings there, but it's it wasn't a great weekend update for me. Yeah, the brief look at 1975 was definitely the peak of this for me. Nothing else uh, was really funny to me. So I'm going to take this opportunity to to guys shit on somebody a little bit. I really think Lorraine Newman was wretched in her correspondent role. I thought her voice was stupid. I thought her acting sucked. And it was so bad, Keith and D, that when I saw it, I was like, what have I enjoyed Lorraine Newman doing so far? And you know what? I couldn't think of anything. That's how bad I thought she was in this correspondent role. Really wretched performance. Hated it. Hated it. Didn't ruin the segment for me, but my gosh, this is one of the worst attempts at comedy that I've seen so far. Like, the jokes were like, yeah, yeah, they were like cutesy, stupid jokes about getting the time wrong. Who cares? They're lazy, lazy TV jokes. But I really felt passionate about how poorly she did this. The voice and the presence and all that is bang on and perfect, I think. The writing on that one was terrible. I really didn't like how that was written. It was it was dumb um, and not not good dumb. Well, we'll agree to disagree, my colleague. I thought Lorraine mm. was wretched here. Just mm. the dregs. A lot of cheap shots at Cher on these episodes. Right? I know. Leave her alone. Like, literally leave the woman alone. Yeah, they're hitting her pretty hard. She's just the pop star of the time. It's how we'd treat Miley Cyrus today. Mm. I'm rolling my eyes. Dee, how did Emily Latella work for you this time? It wasn't as funny to me this time. Just not as funny this time. Mm. I always loved Gilda, uh, but it just wasn't that funny. I, I agree with Dee on this. Yeah. That was It was just the same joke again. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I, you know, you're doing it well, but you can still do the same character, but, you know, write another joke. We'll see the character a lot, and it's always the same joke, but I'm wondering timing it out. I would spread it out, not back to back to back like this. And Garrett yells. And is that still working? It works for me. Now. Yeah. It worked for me this time. <laughs> so it really, it's, it's coming down to personal taste, too, a lot, because Garrett, I did find funny again, and yet everything about the Garrett more segment can be said of emily latella in some ways same joke same so it's just interesting how certain elements are there and certain elements aren't for certain segments i guess and i think well garrett's is such a quick joke too like that uh, mm-hmm. gilda radner's bit was just too long with garrett i know that okay this is just gonna be funny for a few seconds i don't have to sit through what is an obvious awkward misunderstanding for two and a half minutes then we go to a quick ad. It's Candace Bergen as Princess Grace Kelly does an ad for Turn Off Tarnish Remover. And she uh, dunks her crown while still on her head in the mixture. And two armored soldiers, played by Tom Schiller and Neil Levy, come up and put their arms in. And they're impressed by Turn Off. Quick and cute. Um, and it, it certainly didn't take much production. It wasn't hilariously funny. But uh, Candace Bergen willing to dunk her head in water on live TV is pretty, uh, pretty cool. Filler. It was silly. So the next bit is like a, a sort of a silent sketch with uh, Gilda Radner and John Belushi, who are sort of young singles uh, who meet in a laundry room, stuck sharing the same washing machine. This is kind of a short, meet-cute sketch. He's throwing in his clothes, and she's somewhat shy about putting in some of her unmentionables. Doesn't vibe with the rest of Saturday Night Live, but it, it was nice to see. Um, and I thought... Uh, I thought they were both rather charming in this. This was probably the most charming I think we've seen Belushi yet. This was so cute. It almost made me like him again. I didn't think it was funny. Yeah, I didn't get much humor out of it. 
did you sort of do like a backstory of their relationship? I couldn't help but doing it, and I'm wondering if you did that as well. Like, how did these people know each other? Did they know each other before this, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? No, I did think about it, though. I thought that they definitely didn't know each other before, but they're just kind of, like, testing out the vibe with each other. And then when the alcohol gets pulled out, that kind of seals the deal, because if she's going to agree to, like, drink the alcohol without exchanging any words... I think that says something. So, yeah, I think that was kind of cute. I wish people met like this in real life. Yeah, I got the vibe that they'd sort of been staring at each other across the laundry room for many, many months and were too shy to meet. And then he sort of got all the stuff together and decided today is going to be the day. And they just got stuck with the same washer. So, I don't know. Stop. Uh, just... That's so cute if that's what happened. Oh, my God. Somebody have better written a fan fiction about this. Like, I want a whole universe about this. I hope they have <laughs> I, think, I think I just did. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, like, he's been taking the, the alcohol and the flowers for months, just waiting for the time where they... Stop! Yeah, so. That's even cuter! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my yeah. God. I'm writing a fan fiction. Bye. And here comes Pong. Uh, Alfra, sorry, I know Matt loves these bits. Al Franken and Tom Davis are playing. Franken calls out to Davis, but Davis doesn't respond. See, Davis's name is Tom. Pinball wizard from the Who's Tommy is playing, and Tommy can't hear Franken because he's off playing pinball. So I think we're supposed to infer that Tom Davis is Tommy from from the Who's Tommy. Uh, this was flat as hell for me. Fortunately, it was short. Yeah, painful, painful stuff again from the Pong sketch. You know, I sit through it. I like the Who. And I'm like, they're just leveraging something for a joke now. Like, this is some lazy shit. Ah, these get me. I thought it was his friend simply was not there. Like, he started the game and then he walked away from the game. I feel like this is always suggesting, like, there's online play going on when there clearly isn't. Feels like they're in two different places. Why can't he see that his friend is unable to play? Like, why aren't they addressing this normally? You're right. There's uh, there's no online play. There's no I was thinking, like, yeah. They'd have to be together. Right? Um, I also sort of wonder how much did it cost to license that song for this silly little sketch. Next up, Dregs and Vestiges, The Muppets. Do you want to run this one down, D? Yeah, so we're just going to do it from D's brain, okay? So I don't have the greatest memory. Keith explains everything, but that's not how my notes look, honey. So this is a little D segment. The food's little face, like when the food turned around and he had that face, I was literally shocked. If you've ever seen The Mighty Boosh, they will later like take this kind of weird, surrealist humor that I've been seeing on SNL in these little skits to a whole other level. There's two parties happening. The dregs are having a party. Bees are having a party. The bees party is slamming. The dregs party is not. Candace ends up coming to the party and admits that she had just been to the bees party. And then they end up singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, her and Scrud, because they decide that they can still have fun and enjoy themselves together, you know? But in the end, they decide to go to the bee party and Candace and Scrud almost kiss. I'm calling that a kiss. I'm shipping them. This is canon. They're a couple. This was the first time I laughed audibly <laughs> at a at a, a Dregs and Vestiges Muppet skit. Really? Yep. And it was the food talking. <laughs> Definitely Frank Oz trying his best not to sound exactly like the Cookie Monster. But uh, yeah, I, I laughed at the food just being so exciting to be eaten. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> this is again, it was too, it was a little too long for me. But uh, I like Candace's interaction with the uh, with the Muppets. It wasn't as good as Tomlin, nowhere near as good as Tomlin's was. But this was fun. This shouldn't be on Saturday Night Live. Th- this is the kind of like low. <laughs> I I just want to say low. This should be on Sesame Street. This doesn't belong on Saturday Night Live. We have a Chiron. Chevy Chase's gay lover. <laughs> the, uh, the the guy in the audience laughed harder than anyone has ever laughed at being on a Chiron. <laughs> he loved it. The best one so far. That was yeah. the one that got the biggest laugh out of me. I want more dumb little titles like that for it. That one, though, I wonder if that's somebody that they knew putting that Chiron up on the wrong person in a studio audience on live TV could... Oh, uh, for sure. Well, was, I wonder if they asked him first. It was probably Chevy Chase's gay lover. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then we go to a Mel's Char Palace, a lot like the first one, but still funny as hell. Yeah, no no new comments, but this made me laugh just as much as the first time. Equal top marks. I laughed even more. Next up is a highlight for me of Saturday Night Live thus far. It is Winter Wonderland with Howard Shore's All Angel Band, but sung by Garrett Morris with Bergen, Radner, Curtin, Newman, Belushi, Aykroyd, and Chase singing background. I had heard that Garrett Morris had a background in singing and stuff, but you always hear a lot of people have a background in singing. I was really super impressed with Garrett Morris's singing, and I really enjoyed this whole bit. This was fantastic. I didn't know he could sing, and now I feel like they've been squandering his singing talents because he could definitely be doing singing impressions or various different singing jokes. But anyway, I thought this was really cute. They have all the not ready for primetime players. They all come out. I loved it. I love seeing Garrett be able to shine and like really take the front of the stage. Because he deserves it, and he doesn't really get as much time as I think he deserves. But he's slowly getting more, so maybe I'll be more uh, more impressed. This is highlight reel SNL. This is one of the all-time classic bits, one of the all-time classic holiday bits that we'll see for you know on holiday specials and on Christmas shows, etc., for years and decades and generations to come. It's impossible not to love. It's so charming. Everybody looks like there's they're having a good time. It was the most warm, quintessential Christmas moment of the show for sure. I'd be so happy seeing this live if it was Christmas, like around Christmas yeah. time, and I put this on. Oh my god, for real, for real. I would have loved it. I like Christmas music. And another thing I like, it's something I meant to mention before, but with Kids in the Hall, with Monty Python, with Saturday Night Live when they have smaller casts, when you get the opportunity to see everyone together at once it's kind of special to me yeah it definitely is does santa claus believe in you oh that's right that chiron yeah i haven't been copying <laughs> those ones that was uh yeah those are funny uh, i actually <laughs> prefer those to the people ones and then we go to don pardo's digital catalog again for a digital mood ring i wish i had one me too kid yeah, this, this just seemed like something i just wanted i do remember the digital clock pinky rings do you remember those no but oh my god can we bring them back when are, we have to cycle back a few times but we are gonna get well we're bringing that back they were cheesy as hell but they'd be so popular today i think Oh my god, they would. I want one. Then we go to another minute mystery with uh, Dan Aykroyd as Mike Mendoza, crime reporter, and uh, Belushi as the uh, police officer. Michael O'Donoghue's a corpse. Candace Bergen is sort of being cross-examined by Belushi and Aykroyd. Uh, O'Donoghue's dead body before being shot left a lot of clues, but Bergen is so attractive that the police and Don Pardo might be looking away. 
after the other minute mystery i was pretty excited to see this and i was very let down this was sloppy something was missing the timing was off i I didn't enjoy this at all i didn't love it either i thought uh what the only thing i did really like about this the whole sketch i was thinking i'd love to see candace bergen in some sort of Catherine tramell basic instinct type character i'd love to see a femme fatale Candace Bergen circa 1976 or seven. That would have been amazing. Imagine 1976 Candace Bergen in basic instinct. Ha! That's all I thought about during this sketch. (laughs) And if they used Michael Douglas in 1976, he would have been cast age appropriate. For me, the peak of this is when it zooms in on the book that says wall shrinkage. (laughs) 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 Like an entire book. About wall shrinkage. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah, this was flat for me. (laughs) Key said this didn't work for me. The wall shrinkage did not redeem it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we go back to Don Pardo for the digital gift catalog. This one is a digital suit. Uh, I have not seen any of those before. But uh, yeah, a suit with a digital clock built into the, I think it was the vest. Another product I would I would buy in real life, probably, unfortunately. The, these these seem quite real. So, I mean, I'm into them. They're funny. And then Martha Reeves with a very powerful version of Silver Bells. It was an excellent job. Yeah, I thought this was great. You know, Silver Bells, I've heard a million people sing it. I'm used to hearing, like, grade school choir sing Silver Bells, so this was really refreshing to me. I, th- I think she has a dope voice. Yeah, she's a great performer. This was just kind of like some ho-hum Christmas TV carol stuff. Yeah, is she a good singer? Of course she's a good singer. She's not looking to break records here right now. She's out here to do a service job on television she's a natural talent but she's obviously doing it effortlessly but i mean she's so good that just makes it good anyway i don't know it just wasn't special i didn't think it was special and i guess that's completely subjective it didn't work for me i thought it was cliche christmas five minutes on network tv next up we go to what gilda ate this one is about overeating in the holidays seems to be just freeform gilda talking about uh, what she eats and what not to eat and that sort of stuff these are fun and her delivery was great in this one i uh, i enjoyed it as somebody who is diagnosed with ocd it's totally relatable keeping this arbitrary list of what you ate in your head i feel like most people like if they ate that much during a day they wouldn't be able to say it super relatable and i thought it was funny she is so charming i thought there was a darkness to this sketch that uh, i guess i think you guys aren't addressing i'm thinking this made me think about karen carpenter and how she was dying at the time. And maybe that's just because I think Karen Carpenter is famous at this time. And maybe it's just because Gilda Radner is a thin woman. And maybe it's just because, you know, I, I, I like to look at, you know, the, the, the darker side of things on the Internet. I thought there was a little dark subtext about eating disorders to this sketch that's that was just kind of glossed over. I'm not a, you know what? Maybe it's not intentional. I could be projecting that a hundred percent. If you are somebody that does have an eating disorder or OCD or anything that relates to how you consume food, you will find the humor in this, but it is definitely dark humor. I think a taboo to be broken is that people with eating disorders like are allowed to joke about their food consumption habits, especially 
when it's something they struggle with like their whole lives we joke about everything else and if it's something you have personally struggled with i don't see anything wrong with being able to joke about that especially and, since gilda has gone through it herself yeah and there are passages in the uh, live from new york book and in gilda's book uh it's always something that, that deal with her ability to joke about it and, and even the other uh, staffers' reactions to it. So it's, uh, yeah, they're interesting reads. Our next bit is the Fritzy Kringle Cooking Show with Lorraine Newman as a Swedish cook making cookies. What could be a full load of cookies actually winds up just being uh, one or two of them. Newman is virtually unrecognizable in this costume. Um, and it's just makeup and hair. The voice was funny. I think she lost the audience at one point, but she definitely won them back. I I liked this. It was good to see Lorraine Newman in a spot by herself, but I don't know if this hit as hard as it could have. Disagreeing on this end, I'm afraid, uh, and you know what? I'm going to take the opportunity to double tap. Lorraine Newman sucks in this episode. I thought she sucked in Weekend Update, and I think she sucks here. I need Lorraine Newman to bring something to the table right now. I don't know who wrote this. I just didn't think it was funny. Um, I don't know if I can blame her for that, though, because I think she did exactly what they asked her to do, but it wasn't funny. Yeah, I don't know who wrote it, but the character was one she had been doing beforehand. At some point, I read that the Fritzy Kringle was a character she had been doing, but instead of being a, a cook that eats everything, she's a cook that uses really bad ingredients. Uh, so then we go to another Mel's Char Palace. Uh, same basic thing, but again... Loved it. Three for three. Loved it. Then we get a Chiron, a gentleman in the audience, is uh, Edgar Bergen's woodcarver. And he does look like a woodcarver, the man that was in the audience. I don't know who that is. This one didn't land for me. I don't know who that is. I don't even remember it. Oh, Edgar Bergen is Candace's father, and uh, he was a super famous ventriloquist. Oh, Uh, that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, Charlie McCarthy was the, uh, the dummy. Oddly enough, the ventriloquist and his dummy were huge radio stars at the time. Now, ventriloquism on the radio sounds ridiculous to me. That's cool. Good for ventriloquism. Um, next up, we go to an interesting segment here uh, with a lady by the name of Maggie Kuhn, and uh, she had a good repartee with uh, Candace Bergen. This was cute, but a white woman acting like being old is the same as being oppressed for other things doesn't fly with me like everybody gets old unless you die from something else like it's something that you're guaranteed to have and i understand that nobody should be forced to retire if they're still able to continue working but trying to make yourself like a minority group when you're a white woman like what are you doing like what is the point of this i just don't understand they could have like put a black person on they could have put an asian person on like they could have put I don't know, some a gay person on anybody, anybody else uh, to uplift people, because I don't think I don't think old people are the ones that were sitting there needing to be uplifted. I think they have done enough of their life to probably not need this other old woman being like, it's OK to be old. Complete posturing by SNL. What do we, we got to bring an issue now to every episode? Because that's not what I'm interested in. SNL is here to talk about the issues. That's fine. But they do it through witty, concise humor in sketch format or via monologue. Don't trot out this old lady for sympathy points. This is stupid. They mentioned that you should, like, make a friend with an old person today. And while I agree, like, older people, my best friend passed away and she was so much older than me. 
you're acting like old people like can't go out and make friends like why do i have to reach out to an older person out of pity like that's not very respectful of me i'm not gonna do that you know an old person who doesn't answer me at all candace bergen to my dms <laughs> so uh candace bergen sends to a home video of uh of people meeting at the airport that was taken by some of the uh snl staffers it's people at uh, i guess one of the new york airports greeting each other for the first time in in a little while so uh d <laughs> d what do you think about this one i'm depressed like i was in my feelings like ready to cry like i'm thinking deep like going through my past like trying to figure out if the next christmas like if i'm gonna be happy over this because i was so sad this literally dragged me down i'm emotional we're getting towards the end of the episode i don't know how many minutes are left but i know that they've taken my energy like with that white old lady who told me to get off my ass this being the next thing why it feels like it's just being inserted to make people emotional so that they have an emotional attachment to this christmas episode of snl i think d is absolutely right this is emotional blackmail what a stupid thing to put on your late night comedy show what a horrible thing to be airing late at night in december of 1975 if i have depression if i'm sad about christmas i've killed myself you want to talk about what's harmful to old people it was this (laughs) this makes me want to die if i don't have anybody to talk to this is like i got mine i got my family i got my love oh i'm sorry you person that's watching network television in the middle of the night in december in 1975 do you not have anybody sir in the middle of the night here on a saturday in 1975 that's what this sketch says to me so stupid waste of time oh my god so it just wildly wildly inappropriate for saturday night live to me, this was such a bad way to end Saturday Night Live that it was almost funny. This was saccharin. And they're playing Homeward Bound by Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. And <laughs> of course they are. Of course they are. That, that, you know how, you remember how much time Paul Simon got <laughs> on his episode? Has Dan Aykroyd had that much yet? No. I bet you he definitely has not. Dan Aykroyd, the funniest man of 1975, across a series of episodes, not getting anything close to what paul simon got in his episode i apologize to you both i digress i just really hated this miserable miserable um and then we have the goodbyes where candace bergen and the cast and crew come out and say goodbye to the audience and that's the show terrible way to end 1975 this is our last saturday night live moment of 1975 am i right and you did this yeah so that was how the show ended then that was the literal end of the show they gave us that old woman. They gave us that ending. And then they said, well, good luck in the next year. Candace Bergen will be back again. Sadly, Martha Reeves will not be back. She's still alive, still involved in music, and still touring both by herself and with a, a new version of the Vandellas. And uh, a little footnote for uh, Martha Reeves is she actually sat on the city council for Detroit for a term from 2005 to 2009. Maggie Kuhn had another 20 years of, uh, of doing what she was doing. She passed away in 1995 at the age of 89. So let's rate the music. D. You know what? Martha's getting a 9 out of 10 because she gave us silver bells and we deserved that she has a dope voice what about you matt six out of ten really not my kind of thing a professional that is out there doing their job but not really like you know not 
out there trying to make anything legendary. That's fine. Six out of ten. Yeah, Martha Reeves was tremendous. Garrett Morris was tre- tremendous. The stylistics were, were good, not my cup of tea. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I want to mention that I don't consider Garrett Morris part of the musical performances in my rating. Because Garrett, Garrett would bump up the rating. Garrett's performance is a 10. And now let's rate the host, Candace Bergen. How'd she do on her second outing? Five out of 10. This wasn't as good as the first time for me. I wanted to be hopeful, but it definitely felt like they were kind of milking her. And when she was on the stage, she was either kind of low energy or not really vibing with the cast or the cast wasn't vibing with her. But she does vibe with the Muppets, so I'm getting the impression that she would prefer to vibe with the Muppets. I agree with Dee that this is a 5 out of 10. They did their best with her. Just not as strong an episode. She puts effort into what she's in. Uh, She's also not trying crazy hard, other than her skating sketch was really good. But, you know, a lot of the times, like when she has the antlers on, I'm going to go 4.5 out of 10. Didn't really do it for me. She's better than this. Yeah, um, she she was a lot better on the first one, I think. Um, There was a lot of this episode that it was just her being her. I, I know she's she's better than that. So, yeah, I mean, she she did OK. She wasn't a bad host, but didn't hit the way the first one did. OK, your worst bit of the night. Yeah, that old ass white woman that came out being like, feel bad for me. I'm so oppressed because nobody is interacting with me at Christmas. Like that literally sucked my mood down. It brought me down. I didn't need it. And uh, again, I will will say they did they went into the christmas song the christmas ending after this with the people hugging at the airport like they really made sure that i would feel like shit at the end of this the worst thing i've seen so far this season is that schmaltzy airport shit and i mean i really didn't like belushi this episode so that's saying something that just shouldn't be on saturday night live yeah agreed on the video uh, I, I hope i don't see anything like that on saturday night live again as we go in the next 40 some years of it that was the worst thing all year and uh, the worst thing I can recall ever seeing on Saturday Night Live that wasn't supposed to be funny, but just wasn't funny. Um, this was dreadful. This was absolutely uh, the worst way to end the show. So your bit of the night, favorite part of the night. Dan and Gilda with the chainsaw. No doubt. Hands down. Funniest bit of the night. One of the funniest things I've seen this season. Gilda's facial expressions were great. Dan is at his shilling best. And it's a commercial parody, which they do so well. Home run. Dan and Gilda redeem this. They got a 10 out of 10 from me. Best part for me tonight was Maggie Coon. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all in agreement. Mel's Char Palace, all three of them. Great. Um, Dan and Gilda rocked it. Um, and your star of the night. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. And, I mean, on top of Mel's Char Palace, he did that bit with uh, Chevy on the phone as the dad. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of the, the minute mystery bit, but he did uh, he did his best. Okay, final grade on this episode. Uh, this was Christmas enough to make it a Christmas episode and, and funny without completely being inundated by Holly and Tinsel. Great musical choices. No Albert Brooks movie made me feel pretty good. Um, Candace Bergen is good. Um, she kind of sometimes has the feeling that she could have been a, a member of the cast if she'd so wanted. And a tour de force performances by Aykroyd and Radner. So 7 out of 10 from me. It was a 4.5 out of 10 for me. 
I'm not huge on Christmas episodes, so that's just, it wasn't going to hit for me super hard to begin with. But then also, I feel like because the episode was dragged so down in energy in the second half, like, that really brought it down for me. And if it wasn't for Dan Aykroyd and Gilda, it probably would have been even lower for me. I go 5.5. Five. 5. 5.5 out of 10 for Matthew. The reason why. The music. Was not into the music this episode. Very talented singers, sure. You know what? It's not for me. Martha's out there just doing her job. She's not. I don't even think she's trying too hard. I just think she's that good. There was no monologue. Mm, do not like that there was no monologue. There was really wretched ending to the show. Uh, and you know what? Then we had the Muppets. Ah, gosh. The more I think about this episode out loud, the less I like it. Four and a half out of ten is my final answer for this episode. Okay, so our aggregated score is 5.3. And um, IMDb said seven for this one. So that is, uh, that's what I gave it, but... Um, Going is that about a, on our exchange rate? Yeah, it's a little low. We're we're a little low on this one. Okay, I, 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 uh, I you know what I'm going to attribute that to it being Christmas. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So hopefully we'll see you next time, and until then, we'll be roasting our chestnuts over an ever smoldering inferno pit here in S N Hell.